Well, good morning, everybody. Happy summer. Hope you guys are having a great summer. We are in this series called For the Love of God. And what we've been doing is just unpacking this, um, this writing from the Bible written by a guy named John. Let me hear you say John. John. And John was a uh, very close follower of Jesus. He started following him when he was in his late teens, probably eight, 17, 18, 19, maybe 20 in that range. And, and when we see him writing, he's about 100 years old. And so he's getting real, he's, you know, he's geriatric, right? He is way up there. And so John has been radically transformed because initially when we see John, John is volatile. You know anybody who's volatile, right? Is your spouse volatile? We've got Jason's going to help you out today. Just kidding. Um, but he's volatile, he's angry, and he's very aggressive. And God's love changes him. Being with Jesus changes him. And he moves from being this volatile personality to now when he's almost 100, they are taking him around from church to church because he can barely walk. And he speaks about the love of God. And the love of God radically transforms his life. And I believe what we're going to learn today is going to do the same for you. Let's grab our Bibles and turn to 1 John because this is what John wrote. We have 1 John chapter 4. You can find it there on your screen. We'd love for you to read alongside with us just so we can all be together and be in but 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 7, but, but before I get to that, let me, let me kind of give you an illustration of what this is going to look like. You know, if I were to, let's say, let's say, uh, let's say you're, you were to have a baby, right? You were to have a, your family was to have a baby. Hey, side note, when, when I hear a husband say, we're having a baby, he is lying because he is not having a baby. She's having a baby. Am I right? Nancy, am I right? Come on. And so, so let's say, let's say um, your, your family's going to have a baby and I, I bring you a gift, because I'm magnanimous like that, right? I'm going to bring you a bring you a baby gift because I want you to enjoy it. I want to express how much I love you. And so I, I find this blanket and I bring you this blanket. Now, now I hand you this blanket and then you unfold it and you are like, man, that that thing's got some holes in it, Stephen. Like, did you did you see that one right there? Like, where did you get this? Like, they don't even sell this at Goodwill, right? Like, like where did you buy it? It's tattered. It's ragged. It's got strings hanging off of it. And and like, I don't I don't know if we can let this touch our child. They may catch something, a parasite, a ringworm, who knows? Like, what could be growing inside this blanket? And so you, you don't have a lot of value for it. You don't think about it. But then I begin to tell you some stories about this blanket. Like, I didn't pick it up at Goodwill. This was actually my baby blanket when I was a baby. Like, this blanket is literally over 50 years old, right? Like, this blanket was handmade by my aunt. Like, you'll notice that it has blue and pink because... Back then, you couldn't cheat and know what gender your child was going to be. And this is why I'm in touch with my feminine side. <laughs> like, and so I would begin, and, and I would tell you the story about how there was a time when we had a babysitter. And I went and stood in front of the clothes dryer cr and cried until finally she opened the dryer. And there inside was my baby blanket. Because that's how much I loved it and valued it. I could tell you about all the times Debbie's tried to sneak away and throw away my Bambley blanket and her simplification process. And we've had to go see people about that. But, but, but all of a sudden now, it feels a little more valuable, doesn't it? If I were to give you this baby blanket, possibly the most valuable thing I could give you. And the reason why it's valuable is not because it's made by Betsy Ross or made with fine Moroccan wool. The reason why it's valuable is because I love it. You see, the love that I have for this blanket creates value. And this is God's love for you. God's love transforms tattered lives into the ultimate value. 
God's love takes what may seem trash or may seem something we should discard. And it shows us that we have ultimate value, that we have lives of purpose, that we can live lives of confidence, that our anxiety can be replaced, that that our chaos can turn into clarity, and that we don't have to live based on the waves of emotion that seem to come with life in this world, that we have ultimate value. This is what John wants us to understand today, and this is the message that God has for you this morning. So as we look in this particular passage in 1 John chapter 4, I'm going to start in verse 7. John writes these words, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And we've heard that phrase potentially before. Now notice in these verses, we kind of have a little bit of a recap from last week. Let us love one another. Anybody here last week? And so you went through this idea that we should love one another. Hey, did you find somebody that was hard to love this week? Come on. Like camp counselors, did you find somebody hard to love this week? Come on. Right? Like spouses, people at work, did you find somebody who was hard to love? Like we talked about this last week. So this week you probably found some people that were hard to love. You probably watched your favorite flavor of news, CNN or Fox News, and you found somebody that was hard to love, didn't you? Right? Like you probably, you probably were going somewhere to pick something up. Maybe you were going to register your kids for school, or maybe you had an unexpected automobile repair bill, and you found somebody who was hard to love, didn't you? Like maybe in your marriage this week, or maybe with your kids, or maybe with someone else, you found somebody who didn't think like you, who didn't believe like you, who didn't see the world the way you see it, and you found them hard to love. And here's what John would say. So what? Love one another. It changes us. It doesn't mean we agree with people. It doesn't mean we don't try to point people in the right direction. But he says, let us love one another. But he goes on to unpack why. Love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So, so here's the reality. Love changes things. If you've been born, born means made new. Born's, born means to start over. And John, who wrote this verse, also wrote the cliff notes of the Bible. We see in John 3.16. You remember this verse? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. Like, like John wrote that. So he writes this, that born of God means we are made new. We are changed. Because when, when God comes into our life and we begin to follow Jesus, we are new creations. We get a transformed heart. We become somebody completely new. And we should... We should act differently because here's why. Love changes things. Love changes things. You know that physically we, our bodies are wired to be more healthy when we're loved? Our bodies are wired to be more healthy when we're loved. You know, for babies, when they're born, um, they take babies now and they want it to be skin-on-skin contact with their mom. Because something begins to happen in that expression of love that their respiratory rate begins to come down. Their glucose levels begin to level out. They begin to be calmer. They begin to cry less because there's a physiological effect that happens when they're hugged. There was a study done back in the 80s and 90s of orphans in Romania after they had been through, um, if you remember your history on that, just a terrible uh, genocide and civil war and all that that happened. And so there were roughly 100,000 orphans in Romania at this time. And they began to do a study on them because most Romanian orphans, if you were to walk in an orphanage, they're just laying in their beds all alone with no one to care for them. And so they did a study of these orphans from the time they were born or that, you know, they were introduced to them as babies till the time they were in their late teens and early 20s. 
and their brains were physically smaller. And so let's say that our brains are at 100 watts. Their brains were about 40 watts. And they didn't attribute it to malnourishment. They attributed it to a lack of love. We're physiologically designed to be healthier when we experience love. Like you as adults, we, we, we are different when we're loved. Like when, when you have a hug for 20 seconds, it releases this oxytocin called the love hormone. Now, I get it. 20 seconds is a long time. Have you ever done that? Like 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. It gets long, doesn't it? But something happens. Our, our stress levels go down. You physically change. Your lips get a little redder. Do you know that the circles under your eyes actually begin to fade? Isn't that amazing? Right? Isn't that amazing? Just because you experience love, this is what, this is what happens to you. I have a picture of me when I'm older that I want you to see right now that we had uh, earlier. That's me. Like, do I look loved? My eyes look tired right there. Have you experienced that? Do I look old there? Or is this how I always look and I'm just being deceived? <laughs> All right, back to the verses. Man, we're, we're different. Our anxiety levels, our heart rates go down. We live longer when we're loved. Physically, we are changed. We're created to experience love and to receive love. And we're better when that happens. And it's not just physically that we're better, but also it is better for our souls. It's better for our souls. It's better for who we are and how our personalities flesh out and how we see the world because we are loved. We, 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 know, we know that we want love because it's good relationally. But we need to understand God's love because it changes us spiritually. Do you know that a lot of what you've been chasing has to do with this, 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 uh, this quest for love? Now, you think it's a quest for value, right? And, and we all want to be valued. Like everybody in the room wants to be valued. Everybody wants to be listened to. Everybody wants to know that they matter. You know, if you go to work and they don't listen to you, you stop going to those meetings, don't you? Like if you volunteer to help somebody and they don't listen to you and they don't pay attention to you, like they don't. They don't value you. Like if you have kids in college and the only time they call you is when they need money, like show me your grades first. That's what you say. But, you know, we, we don't want that. We want relationship. We, want, we all want to be valued. And we chase after it in so many different ways. And so here's an example of what that looks like in the life of people. There's a friend of mine named Frank. Frank was a retired Navy SEAL. Navy SEALs are the baddest in the world. Am I right? Bad, bad Leroy Brent. Like Navy SEALs, we would ca- characterize them as super brave, smart strong, well-trained. Uh, we, we would look at them that way. So, so Frank tells us one story that while he was a, a, a Navy SEAL, uh, well, let me, let me start here. Frank was always searching for uh, validation from his dad, love from his dad. He, he tells a story about get, when he was five or six years old, they go to the mall and there was no parking. And his dad sees a parking spot across uh, a few aisles over. He has Frank get out of the car and go stand in the middle of the parking spot as other cars tried to pull in so Frank could say, no, my dad's getting this spot. And he was scared to death. And his dad would call him words like coward and he would demean him and he would tell him he wasn't brave and tell him he wasn't strong, he wasn't tough. So what did Frank do? Frank became a Navy SEAL. Frank tells a story that um, during training and the training exercise, he, they were training uh, planting mines on battleships. Battleships are about 400 tons of ships. So he's underneath this battleship with just a couple of feet of clearance. And while he's under this battleship, this 400-ton piece of steel, another large boat comes through the harbor and causes a wave that causes this battleship to go up and to push his body down into the mud underneath the battleship. Now, Frank never connected his experience underneath the battleship with the fact that his dad didn't love him. But it drove everything he did. 
It drove his enlisting in the military. It drove him in dangerous situations. It drove him to be uncomfortable. And even in his 60s, when I last talked to him, Frank was still searching for this love, this validation that, could, that would come from his dad that, that he was never going to find. And we all search for validation and value through areas that, that can never deliver because we're searching for love in all the wrong places, aren't we? They had it right. You know, for you, it may be that climb up that ladder of success. You're driven to succeed because you want to feel value because you want to be loved. It may be sexual experiences that you kind of sac- you've sacrificed your body on the altar of promiscuity just looking for somebody to love you. It could be how you raise your children, that you're looking for them to do certain things to be successful in the world's eyes simply because you want to be valued and you want validation. You want someone to love you. This is at the root of everything that we do. It's this desire that's built in us that God has placed deep into our souls to be loved by him. And we take it to places that have no ability to deliver that. You know, I had this experience back when I was in 2003. You know, up until that point, if you were to talk to me about love, I'd have been like, like, isn't that what ladies talk about over coffee? I'm a man. Like, do we, is this really something that guys need to know? Like, do, is, isn't this like psychobabble? Like, is this real and so I was at this uh, a retreat experience, um, like I said, back in 03. And while I was there, <clears throat> so I just began to, God just began to peel the veil off my, you know, my eyes about kind of how I'd grown up. I, I grew up with uh, a dad who did the best he could do. And he was a disciplinarian. He was strict. And, you know, his, his motto was kind of like, hey, suck it up and get moving, right? Don't, don't ever lay down. Always get up. That was, the, that was kind of his motto in life. So that's what I did. I just plowed ahead in every situation. Man, I would, see a, I would see a problem, I'd tackle it. I would see a goal, and I would go for it. I was just determined. Man, I worked hard. I went in early. I stayed late. I did everything possible just to, man, just to prove that I had some value. But in this moment in 2003, it was as if God just peeled the veil off my eyes, and I began to realize that everything I'd been searching for can only be found in him. That God's love for me as a dad who loves his son, who can give him confidence. It was the only way I would ever escape my anxiety and my insecurity. It was the only way I was going to ever be able to move forward to love my wife and to love my children and to raise them was to have this experience where God's love was planted so deep in my soul, it was unshakable. And this needs to be a shift for many of us today. Like love isn't just some marshmallow word that has no power, no stability, no strength. Love is gritty and it stays with you And it's straight from God. Every other type of love falls short. Only God's love has this power to give you an identity that cannot move. That cannot move. You know, John, when he unpacks this, he says this. Love is from God. Like this type of love, it it comes from God. And when he says from God, it just means it comes out of God and it impacts us. And even when we don't realize that it impacts us, it impacts us. Even when we don't really see tangibly, like, is that, like, what do, you, what do you mean? So just to give a couple of examples of what that looks like. Um, how many of you have been paying attention to the news? You know that we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of a man walking on the moon. Raise your hand. Yeah, come on, right? And I know some of you think it was a conspiracy and you think there was flat too. We'll talk later. Um, but, but some of the things that came out of the Apollo program, you have no idea that they affect you today right where you are. For those of you who don't have flip-flops on, you have on shoes, you have insoles in your shoes. Guess where they came from? The Apollo program. When they were developing uh, the suit for the uh, astronauts to walk on the moon. 
Like, like how, how many of you swiped a card this week? Yep, some of you. How many of you use cash like Dave Ramsey said in the world stop? Just kidding, right? When you swiped a card, that was technology that came from the Apollo program. You didn't even know it. It, it, it affected you. A power tool that's run by battery operated came, comes from the Apollo program. The dustbuster that we use around the house came from the Apollo program. Scratch-resistant glasses came from the Apollo program. Tang did not come from the Apollo <laughs> program. There's so much, and probably the most important development that came from the Apollo program is the circuitry that's used in our telephones, our lifelines, <laughs> our oxygen. We've all been impacted something from the Apollo program, even though we didn't know it and didn't realize it. But now you do. God's love has impacted us because love is from God in ways that we don't even know, ways that we don't even process, ways that we don't even think about. Like, Can you imagine what the world would look like without love? Think about this for a minute. It's hard to even imagine because it's everywhere. The world without love. First of all, you would have no country music because there'd be no woman to leave the man because they were never in love in the first place. There would be no dogs, right? Everybody would have a cat on a leash just all over the neighborhood. And who wants to do that? There'd be no Tom Cruise singing, you've lost that love and feeling on Top Gun, right? World would be marked by fear. Every day would be the purge. You'd always be looking over your shoulder, scared, anxious, wondering. Have you ever feared for your life? Maybe you were in a close call in a car wreck. Maybe you got a bad diagnosis from a doctor. Imagine that 24 hours, seven days a week. Every moment you wake up, you are living in a state of fear. No compassion at all. No one to help when you got broken down. No, no one to stand uh, next to those burning buildings and catch children when their parents release them down to strangers below. No, nobody to do that. A world of rejection. Nobody to go sit next to that girl at the cafeteria table who's all alone and feeling empty and just wondering what life's going to be about. No dads and sons playing catch in the front yard. No moms and daughters having a tea party inside. No, no, no couples holding hands walking down the street. No movies that you love. Can, can you begin to imagine? You're not even selfish. You know why? Because you don't even love yourself. Indifferent. Indifferent is what you would live with. This is a world without love. Oh, but we do have love. I think of some of the things you love. Can you say hamburger? Come on. Isn't that straight from the Lord? What about veggie burger? No, that's without love. No, no, no. The things that you love to eat, the places you love to go, the people you love to be around, this is directly from God. The fact that we have a sunset, the fact that we can have music or poetry or creativity, the fact that we have passions to make a difference in the world, that is strictly uh, dedicated to God's love in us. Everything that we experience that's good, that is from God. This is the love we have. Why? Because love comes from God. This is why we have love in the world. Right? This is why we have love in the world. Now, it's not just love like this, oh, this, if it feels good, if it feels good, do it. Right? Oh, it's so nice. Let's just all get along. It's not that kind of love, right? And so what, the way John des, de, describes it, he says God is love, right? God is love. 
This is God's deepest identity. This is the truest thing about God. It's not judgment. It's not anger. It is love. Everything that God does is driven by love. When God talks, he speaks love. If you cut God, he bleeds love. When you watch God, he acts in love. This is who God is, and it is a different kind of love. It is a love that does not stop. It is a love that is steadfast and holds on. It's a love that has no agenda like some of your friends may have, and you're always wondering, hey, are you for me? You just want to get something from me. Are you for me or just want something from me? You can know that that's not God. God has no agenda behind his love. He will never leave you or forsake you. You ever been left before? Maybe a friend left you. Maybe a spouse left you. Guess what? God never leaves. This is the type of love that we have. It is tenacious and strong. This is the love that we have of God. It is otherworldly. It's different. Now, 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 sometimes God's love can be challenging because love always wants the best for who is loved. God always wants the best for who is loved. You know, that's why we have things like discipline. That's why we don't just do everything that we think is good in the moment because there's a bigger picture. What's ironic is that many times you'll hear about God as love, and generally that just kind of means a free-for-all. God will just let you do whatever you want, and if I'm to tell you that you shouldn't do that, then I'm not being loving. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do to somebody is tell them to change course. Change course. Like all of us grew up like this. Most people's parents, like if I were to wake up and say, hey, dad, today I want my favorite three food groups, sugar, dairy, and frozen. I mean, ice cream. Like, can I have that for breakfast? Can I have that for lunch? What's my dad going to say? No, that's stupid. Don't do that because that's what's good for me. You see, God wants what is best for us. He wants us to be at our best. Sometimes that's why we have certain parameters that God gives us. You know, God knows how the world works. So God puts up parameters for us to fall in line with. Why? To, because he's no fun? No, because he knows what's best for us. The reason why God puts parameters around sex and money and lying and murder and all of these different areas of our lives is because he knows we will flourish when that happens. We will flourish when that happens. God sometimes says no. Do you realize that when you didn't get that promotion, it may have saved you from a family destruction? Do you, do you realize that maybe getting rejected by that university could have been the best thing that God ever did for you? Could it be that the fact that that relationship didn't work out could, could have opened the doorway for you to marry the person of your dreams? You know, sometimes when things don't work out, here's what we say, God doesn't love me. God isn't good. I didn't get what I wanted. That may be the best thing that could have happened to you. As we understand more about God's love, Paul writes it in 1 Corinthians and how otherworldly it is. Paul starts, says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love. So think about what an angel sounds like. Amazing, right? Some of our vocalists sound like angels, right? If you don't have love, guess what? You're a noisy gong. That's how you sound. Like in that isn't that obnoxious and annoying all at the same time? I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, I understand all mysteries. I've got all wisdom. I can, I can tell you everything. I have all knowledge. I have all faith. And I don't have love. I am nothing. Underneath a shoe. He goes on, if I give away everything I have, if I'm super generous and magnetic, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Then he begins to describe it. Love is patient. Do you know people who are patient? 
You know people who run out of patience? God never runs out of patience. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know people who are kind? You know people who are angry and mean? God's never unkind. He doesn't envy. He doesn't want what you have. He's not jealous. You don't have to worry about his agenda, wanting to get your stuff, get your life, get your time. He's not envy. He's got it all. He doesn't need it. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. Have you, ever, have you ever had this experience you want to go out to eat? Like, hey, where do you want to go? Um, I don't care. Where do you want to go? Well, I want to go to Mexican. No, nah, I don't want to go to Mexican, right? Oh, but you didn't care. Now you want your own way. God always will go for Mexican. <laughs> right? Always. It, he, he doesn't insist on his own. He's not irritable or resentful. I can remember being in high school. I made a commitment myself. I had a teacher who was always in a bad mood. I thought to myself, I'm never going to be in a bad mood. And I never have been since then. <laughs> He's never in a bad mood, never resentful, doesn't rejoice at something that's wrong, but with the truth. So when you step out of line, God's not rejoicing in that. He rejoices when we do things that he wants us to do. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes for all things, endures all things. And he closes it out with this phrase, love never ends. This is his love for us. We know that when we get to heaven, his love is what endures. There's no faith. There's no need for hope. We have God's love because it changes us. It changes us. And it's an otherworldly kind of love. It's a love that can deliver security in your discomfort. It can deliver peace during your pain. It can deliver clarity and your confusion. And he's the only one that can do that. There's nowhere else you could turn to for this kind of love. Because God is love. And now, sometimes we'll say, you know, if God loves me, then he'll just give me what I want. You know? He'll, he'll prove his love to me. Guess what? He did. God already did. Watching uh, John chapter 5, I think is where. Oh, uh, no, 1 John 9. Let's bring that one up. 4 9. This is the love of God. It was made manifest. In other words, it showed up. It came to us. It was made clear. He did something that God sent his son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for us. Let's all say that together. I'm kidding. That word means substitute for us. God died for us. The greatest love any man could ever express is to give his life. Jesus gave his life for us. God has already proven how much he loves you. God has already proven how valuable you are, right? Because he sent his son for us. This is the gospel. This is the message that we hold on to. This is the hope that we have. This is the place we find our security. God is love and he proved it to us. There's nothing else he needs to do. There's no gift he can give you to be greater than that. There's no, there's no income you could earn that would be greater than that. There's no relationship you could get into that would be greater than that. God loves you no matter what. God, God won't not love you. You can't go too far. You can't, you can't be too blind. You can't sin too much. You can't have too many regrets, too much shame. God can't. God won't not love you. And, and he's proven it to us. In John chapter 15, John writes this. God, greater love has nobody than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. Is there any greater love than that? What else do you want God to do to prove 
his love for you. And because we've been given his love, we have value. You have an incredible value, and God's chasing after you, and he has come near to you. God has gone from being way in the heavens, far away, and he's come close. And it's real and tangible, and it's today. It's not tomorrow. It's not when we get to heaven. It's today. God took this great distance that was between us and him, and he closed the distance between me and him by his son, Jesus. That's why we elevate him. That's why we sing about him, because of his great love for us. That no matter what we've done, wherever we are, he loves us as he finds us. Like you, can't, you don't need to get cleaned up today. You don't need to get over your regrets, your unfaithfulness, your lying, your unkindness, your judgmentalism. You need to let God handle that. His love will wash all that away and transform you into someone new. When we see, we see this in the life of Jesus over and over and over again. There is nobody that comes to Jesus that he doesn't love. The way that we experience that is that we close the distance ourselves. So many of us are dis- distant from God. We're far away from God. God's this idea, and just like for me in 2003, he seems so far off. We need to close the distance. I want you to imagine this for a minute. Let's say you're going to get married. Let's say you're going to get married or you are married. And, and, and your spouse or fiance or girlfriend says, or boyfriend says, I love you. But you never experience that. You're traveling. You never go home. You never sit across the table. You never go and do things together. You never talk about this. There's no level of expression of this love. You're just gone, moving on. You will never experience love. If Debbie were to say she loved me, but I never spent time with her. I never got near. I never sat across the table from her. We never went out to eat. We never saw a movie together. We never did things together. I just kept this distance in our relationship. I'll never experience it. It's only when I close the distance that I get closer, that I experience, that it changes me, that it washes away my regrets. Listen, if you don't draw near to God, here's what the life you're destined to live. You'll never take advantage of the opportunities that you could. You'll always have a sense of unfulfillment. You'll always live with this anxiety or depression or addiction because we medicate this desire so we don't feel it any longer. You'll never be the husband or wife you could be. You'll never love your children the way you're supposed to unless God's love resides deep in your soul. It's an otherworldly kind of love. How do you, how do you close the distance? How do, you, how do you close the distance between you and God? The first is just a belief that Jesus loves you. It's, it's a belief that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, this I know. That's the first step. Then you draw near to him. Every day you wake up, you say, God, I believe you love me, even when I don't see it, even when I just got fired, even when my wife left me, even when I'm in the hospital, even when my car breaks down, even when I don't have a place to stay. God, you love me. You have good for me. Close the distance. You know, one of the primary ways that God has designed our lives and our hearts is that we close the distance through worship. You know, you know, God, out of his great love, has given us music. And it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That's where he lives. He lives. So when you praise God, he's close. You close the distance. There's a phrase that I love that says, music takes words where mere words cannot go. Music takes words where mere words cannot go. One of the ways that you close the distance between you and God is through worship. So we just want to take these next few minutes just to close out our service through worship. 
And some of you, I know that as we sing this song, it's gonna be emotional because you're gonna remember all these things that you find unlovely about yourself. God takes tattered lives, transforms them into ultimate value. Some of you are gonna remember your regrets and your mistakes, all the things that you've done. Some of you are gonna realize that you've just been oblivious, that you've just plowed through life without really allowing God, the love from God to impact you. And what you've been chasing is this love and you couldn't have put it into words until today. So if you would, let's stand together. I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll close with worship. God, we know that you love us right where we are, that no matter what we've done, no matter how we've seen the world, whether we've been oblivious to your love or stomped on it and rejected it, God, you still come after us. It's unshakable, unmovable. And God, there's nothing we can do to outrun your love. God, you would break down the walls of sin that we've put up, the walls of indifference, God, the walls that we've put up just to keep you at a distance. And today we'd, we'd close the distance with you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.